Wednesday, everyone. This is Rob Foster with Shut Up and Grind. This is going to be episode number 112, and we're going to be talking about how you can make your own comeback story. We're going to get into that in a couple minutes because, you know, it's all about me first. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. You've got to know your work. So I know that's a long intro, but damn it, I like it. I know I need to trim it down, but I don't know what parts to take out of it. So at some point, I'll trim it down. But for right now, I really like it. It's still brand new. It's like it's got that new car smell. It's like it's, it's got that new video feel to it. So anyway, so again, we're going to be talking about, see this, like my daughter point, pointed out the other day that I clap a lot. So I'm trying to be mentally aware about it so I don't clap so much. Right. So we're going to be talking about making your own comeback story. And so what does that mean? It means where you hit a point in your life that you may not be so proud of or something that may have hurt you or you may have hurt someone else and how you repackage yourself, rebuild yourself and get to where it is that you want to be. And now the the subject matter that we're going to discuss today, it's deep. What I'm going to share right now is not. So I go back to when I was in high school in track and field, I had worked. When I started track and field, I sucked. I wasn't good at all. And I had to put in work. I had to study, read books, watch film, and figure out what to do in my respective events. And so I'm a senior now. I'm ranked first in the state. I'm ranked in New England. I'm ranked in the East Coast. And so fast forward, we get to the state meet where I should have won by a landslide. I got in my head, and I ended up taking third. And I was 17 at this time. It wasn't until I was 32 till I was able to move past that. I was 32 years old. I was a restaurant manager at the time. And for some reason, those feelings got stirred up again. And one of the, the servers comes up to me. And she's like, Rob, like, you really need to let that go. And I was just holding on to it because it was something that I worked so hard for. And it, it came all crashing down in that one moment. And so grand scheme of things, is it a big deal? To me, yes, it is. Yes, it really is. So I had to come to grips with how I was gonna gonna use what happened for good. So so now as I'm coaching athletes, I'm letting them know not to take your eye off the prize. Don't get so full of yourself. Don't think that you trained enough. You didn't train enough. Like get out there and give everything that you possibly have, because that moment can get taken away from you in half a second. So like I said, what we're gonna talk about today is far deeper than that. But I wanted to share that one because, as you know, I always say, your true power lies in your story. So I can take that story and use it to inspire someone else. Like it doesn't always have to be that you hit complete rock bottom, you know, in order to have a powerful story. Even though my guest today kind of did, but but that's just to let you guys know that. Don't think that your stories aren't valuable because they are. Like you have stuff inside of you that other people need to hear. And every guest that I bring on, you know, you guys all know the premise of the show is overcoming obstacles. And every guest that I bring on has a different perspective on that same topic. You know, so that's just further proof that what you have to say matters. Like things that you've gone through in your life, regardless of how tiny you think they are, it matters big time to someone else. Right, so with that being said, helping me have this discussion, this man is, uh, I started that wrong. All right, so in, in his early 20s, 
Nate was a business owner chasing success while dealing with a secret drug addiction. After constantly hitting rock bottom, hurting everyone close to him, stealing a car and going to jail, Nate went on a journey of changing his mindset and his decisions, which helped him create his own comeback story. So my, my eyes are getting bad, and this font is so little, so that's why I'm stammering reading the bio. Nate, I apologize. <laughs> so he quickly found there were other people just like him who were stuck believing the lie that they'd never change. That's huge, and we're definitely going to dive into to that point. Through his book, On Stage Speaking and Personal Coaching, Nate shares what he's learned to help other people make their own comeback. So welcome to the show, Nate Dukes. Hey, man. How are you, dude? First of all, thank you so much for letting me be here. I love this show. I love what you are doing. I've gotten to watch from the sidelines. And man, this is an incredible, incredible show. Awesome. Thank you. That means a lot. Means a lot. So, so like um, on the show we were supposed to do, I believe this was Friday. Yeah. Like I, I put, I put your picture up. I still have it loot, looted in here, and we gave a quick, a quick, you know, synopsis of what we were going to discuss. And then I you know I put my own spin on it because you couldn't be here. Just give a quick, a quick scenario of why you couldn't be here in your words. Yeah. So one of the cool things that I get to do is I get to actually help coach and help people who have experienced some form of failure. And so one of the guys that I'm really close with, um, he actually, uh, he experienced his own version of failure and I had to fly across the country to go help um, pull him out of that, get him back um, into a, a better headspace. Um, because when you find yourself um, making the wrong decision, it is hard to stop spiraling. And so sometimes we need to have something that jolts us or pulls us out of that. And so for me, I've been able to actually help people who feel like their life is too messy to change or, or, or maybe they struggle with self-confidence or maybe they've just been in this habit of making one wrong decision after the other. And so I'm super thankful to be able to do what I do and help people create their own comeback. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. See, and, and it's great for him that he has a friend like you that would drop everything, fly across the country because he needed your help. Like Absolutely. That, that's amazing. All right. So in, you know, one minute or less, just give me a quick, a quick synopsis. I mean, you kind of did a little, but just who is Nate? How would, how would you, you describe yourself in a couple sentences? Yeah. So uh, for the last 18 months, I've been working on a project called You'll Never Change. It's a book that I wrote for people who want to go to the next level in their life, but don't know how, who've experienced some form of failure. If you right now are thinking to yourself, man, my life uh, doesn't look anything like what I want it to. Uh, I, I struggle with self-confidence. I struggle with how I look at myself. I struggle with the resentments that I still hold against me. This is going to be a great conversation for you because we're going to actually unpack some of that and help you later in the show, create your own comeback story. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. So let's, let's dive into the backstory. So people that watch this show know that, you know, I go deep and like, I might take it to some places you may not, you may not want to go. But it's all for connection sake. So at least once per show, people are always like, ooh, I've never been asked that before. <laughs> Every know? Everything is on the table. Everything's on the table right now. Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. So tell me about your childhood. Where, where were you born? How was your upbringing? Yeah. So I am from uh, Youngstown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a little south of Cleveland. And it's a we, tough area. Yeah, man. Uh, we were the poor family growing up. We didn't have a whole lot. Um, my parents were really kids trying to raise kids. I don't blame them for anything. They had their own struggles. They had their own things that they were really working through. And a lot of those broken mindsets were actually passed down to us kids. And I, I remember one time there was a, a Christmas where my mom came up to us and said, hey, I just want to let you know, don't plan on having a whole lot of gifts underneath the Christmas tree this year. And as a kid, that's really never anything that you want to hear. Yeah. Um, but then there was this really great church that came along and they helped my mom and, and they, uh, they, they bought us all Christmas presents and we had an incredible experience, but I also had this understanding that this wasn't from my mom and we were used to hand-me-downs. We were used to handouts. We were used to everybody else bailing us out of our issues and our problems. And then when I turned 18 years old, Um, I actually wanted to escape the chaos of my childhood because growing up, we started actually going to that church that my parents went to and, and they were great people. They were awesome. But I I always had this, I always had this feeling that God was watching me and he's waiting for me to mess up. 
And as soon as I did, he was going to punish me. And so I, I wanted to escape all of that. And so I went away to college at age 18 and man, my life changed dramatically. I, all right, I, all right, let me, let me stop you right there. Right. Let me say college age 18. Just so you can pick back up with that thought. Cause I know with us speakers, we just get on, on a roll and we just, we just get going, you know, but, but you want, you unpacked a lot there. So so now when you mentioned broken mindsets, mm-hmm. right? Walk walk me through through that. Like what what type of things were you exposed to? Yeah, poverty mindset. There's not gonna be enough. Um if there is, we're not gonna get enough of it. Uh we uh my parents had an on again, off again relationship. So one week everything was great, they were together. The next week our lives were being ripped apart. And so we lived in government housing up until I was in third grade. And uh, it was just always a struggle to get through. I felt like, man, um, if we can just get through today, then we're going to be okay. We were surviving. We weren't actually thriving. And man, dude, as a kid, you get exposed to some crazy stuff. You see things that no kid is supposed to see. And that trauma that sticks with you, if you don't ever have a support system to help you unpack some of that stuff, you will carry that with you and think, man, this is just how life is. I used to look at people who had abundance or who had nice things or would go on vacation. I used to look at them and say, that's what happiness is because I don't have it. I don't have this stuff and we're really unhappy. And it wasn't until later in life (laughs) that I I learned the hard way that things don't actually equal happiness, but things can actually help you create a better quality of life. But happiness comes, it's an inside job. Yes. Great, great, great. All right. So you said you were used to hand-me-downs, used used to handouts. Yeah. And so when you would see these other, these other kids, like, like how did it make, make you personally feel? Oh yeah. Like we weren't enough. Like we didn't have like, like, like everybody else was better than us. Uh, we would, uh, we would always, my mom, she was awesome. She would go to Goodwill and, uh, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, shopping there and doing what you got to do to get through the day. Um, but she would, she would call it Gucci's. And so like, that was the Gucci like, and she would like try to put a good spin on it. So she tried to have a good attitude, but she also understood like we were, man, we, we didn't have a whole lot. And so I would see other people who didn't have to, and just thought, man, their life must be great. Um, if I could just get, if I could just get to a place in life where I could buy new stuff, then man, maybe I could be a new person. So this is a little off topic, but I have, I do a second show. It's called uh, "We Buy to Get Deep," and I have a section on white privilege that I would yeah. like, I would like you to come, come and and share that with. Yeah, you. I'd love to, man. Absolutely. Yeah, like I, I hear because I hear that that term, and sometimes it's just so blanketed. I mean, yeah, there are some instances of it, but you know, when I hear stories like this and I've had other people on the show that started like you did with, you know, the, the broken home, that home dynamic, you know, not, not a real support system, like not yeah. really being pushed into success or, or having that scarcity slash poverty mindset. And I just feel like, and people are afraid to speak out against it because you get labeled. You know what I mean? So, sure. so if you would like to do, of course, I'm putting you on the spot now. Dude, I, yeah. <laughs> if you would like to do that, we, we can we can chat. We can chat when, when we go off air. I'd be I just, honored to, man. Okay, I, really I just would. want I just wanted to think to tell you now while I, while it popped into my mind. So, all right. So so now let's go back to you said college age eighteen. Mm-hmm. Take it yeah. from there. So this is where the fun begins. So I wanted to escape the chaos of my childhood. And so instead of actually trying to better myself, which is, you know, what we've been programmed to think, go to college, get an education, get a great job, better yourself. I found myself actually trying to discover who I was and I was being drawn into experimenting with alcohol and drugs. It's when I was first introduced to the party scene and what started off as a a weekend experience here and there quickly began to spiral out of control. And then all of a sudden, you know, at age 19, 20, 21 years old, instead of just being this weekend party guy, I'm a full blown drug addict. And so I was having to compete with this party scene and my studies at the same time. And that's when somebody introduced me to uh, ADHD medication. And it was, they, they told me if you're struggling with studying, if you got a big test, if you need to focus, just take one of these and you'll do great. And, uh, I took one and I did great. And it was all of a sudden, like I had these superpowers and it shot, it took me up really, really high. 
But the problem with going really high is that eventually you have to come down really low. And the only way to get through the day just to maintain, just to be normal was all of a sudden I was taking more and more. And now I went and get, I got my own prescription for it so I could take it all of the time. And then when that wasn't enough, I was starting to buy my friend's prescriptions. And now I'm taking two, three, four times the amount that I was actually prescribed. I'm not, I'm not sleeping for days. And I'm at this place where I, I don't know who I am anymore. The chemistry in my brain is starting to change. And after four years, I managed to come nowhere close to actually graduating from college. I'd ran out of money. And now the only option for me was to move back in with my mom and dad. And I, I don't know if you've ever had to do the walk of shame before, but moving back in with your parents, that is the real walk of shame. And so here I was, 21 years old, moving back in with mom and dad, um, just trying to figure my life out, dealing with this secret of drug addiction that nobody really knows, but like having this deep desire to be successful. I wanted to make something of myself because I, I was insecure with myself. I didn't know who I was. So I thought if I could just achieve things, if I could just create things, then maybe I would actually become somebody of value. I would be someone that people would look at and say, man, I want to be around him. I like him. And I, I found myself through a series of events um, being asked to actually open up a bar in downtown Youngstown, Ohio. A buddy of mine wanted to partner with me and we were going to start this bar in Youngstown. And we took what was in the beginning a failing business. And over the course of about two years, we were able to turn it around into something that was very successful. Okay. Pause, pause right there. Okay. Pause. Open, open bar, two years. Because we can't just gloss over that last part. <laughs> All right. So now I have I have a pretty wide demographic of the audience that watches this show. So according to the podcast stats, it's like 16 to 65. Okay. Right? So with what you just shared, like what want you you to speak to the 16 to 21 year olds yep. that watch this and to the parents that have them. Because for me, I'm in the minority. I don't follow the society norms. Like I don't do what I should do. I don't tell my kids what I should tell them. I tell them facts. So I've had what I had my oldest son. He's graduated college all, already stayed away from, from that party scene. He got his, his, uh, his degree. He's a mechanic doing what he wants to do. My second oldest daughter. Well, my, my sorry, my oldest daughter, my second oldest child, before she went off to, to college, I told her, I was like, listen, said, you are a mixed race female. You know what that means? Nothing. Doesn't mean a damn thing. I said, you're going to go down to down to this college. You're going to stay away from the party scene. You're going to stay away from the alcohol. You're going to stay away from, from the drugs. Because I don't, contrary to popular opinion, college is not for finding yourself. We're not spending $100,000 so you can soul search. Like, that's not. said, I spent the 18 years of your life shaping who you are. I said, now it's time for you to go to college and create your life. I said, if you get mixed up into that other stuff, this is all for nothing. Yeah. You know, so given with what you went through, mm-hmm. you know, what would you say to that 16 to 21 year old group? I would say that if you don't have a clear vision, if you don't have a clear direction, if you don't know what you want to get out of college, maybe it's not right for you at this time. Because there are so many temptations and pitfalls. It is already hard enough if you know what you want to not get sidetracked and pulled away. And so it is okay to maybe take two, three, five years and figure out what you want to become out of life. Go experiment, try a few things. Listen, if you are, if you know, like deep inside, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, I want to do somebody that, that, that requires a lot of training, a skill set that I don't have that I need to develop please go to college. Please do well in college. Please work really, really hard. If you do not, I'm here to tell you that you will get sucked into a system that will take you for not just all of your money, not just the money you don't have, the debt that you're going to incur, the the, the student loans you're going to be able to take out, but you're, a piece of your soul is going to be ripped away from you as you begin to experiment, as you begin to be introduced to things that, man, I, I never wanted to be this person, but now I'm experiencing all the social pressure to go and say and do and be something that I know that I am not. Yes. And so while college can be an incredible experience for those that know what they want, it can also be a very devastating experience if you do not. 
don't go to college if you don't know what you want out of it. Yes. So, so, so true. I, I believe the number is over 70% of people that have a college degree are in a field that has nothing to do with what they study. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it goes back to that. Well, we'll just go to college and we'll figure it out. It's like, dude, I'm not trying to act like I'm God's gift to parenting. I've made my share of mistakes, but I, I take my kids' childhood. Yes, we have fun and we, we do things, but there's life lessons in everything that we do. It could be something as simple as I took them to um, a state a state park th- the other day. It had rocks and water and everything. And I'm let, let's like see how all the rocks are di- different shapes, see how the water's coming up o- over here. I said, that's like a reflection of a day in your life as an adult. Like one day you're going to have the wind trying to knock you over. You're going to have a wave trying to come and knock you knock you off your feet. You know, the sky is going to open up. It's going to rain on. It's going to try to dull your sunshine. I said, so just because we're here now, just know what you're going to face when you get out there, yeah. that you're, you're going to have some hardships. You know, you're going to have some people who, who may not like you because of your skin color or, yeah. or because of your gender. You're going to have it. But you know what? You're going to succeed anyway. Come on. So it's like no matter what life throws at you, you're going to succeed That's anyway. Right. So that way now when my kids get to 18, they at least know what kind of field they want to be in. They know what to expect out there. Now, because I wasn't raised in the – participation trophy age it's, mm. it's like you either earned it or you didn't get it you know what i mean and that's that's a huge problem now is that kids get handed stuff they get coddled throughout their childhood and teen years and then now we're throwing them out there and look at how again i can't lump them all into the same box but look at how a lot of these millenn- uh, millennials are acting out there because yeah. they, they've never been taught to cope with the difficulties of life and that and that's huge and so you, you, you nailed it right on the head. Like if, if you have a vision, you know, I said that in my intro video, like if you don't have a clarity of vision, you're not going to do that thing you want to do, yep. you know, so spot on. All right. So now take me to the bar. Yeah. So here we are working this bar, creating, building uh, a business, um, turning into something that is would be considered successful. And now all of a sudden I have access to more money than I'd ever seen in my life. So now this was not a life-changing amount of money, but being the poor kid growing up for me, it felt like the world. I had a great car. Uh, I had a beautiful apartment in downtown. It had high rise ceilings. It was amazing. It was really nice. Um, I was in social settings that I would have never had access to before. And I thought to myself, man, I should be happy. I have everything that I never had. And you know what I found out is that I wasn't. I was still very empty on the inside and I could not figure out why. I couldn't figure out why I didn't like who I was. I couldn't figure out why I didn't like what I was doing. And so that's when the drug addiction really started to ramp up. But then I also started developing this gambling addiction well and and going to casinos. And so I'm the classic definition of what they call a bad gambler. I would just go and I would get beat and I would lose my money and I would keep coming back because I wasn't addicted to the, the, I wasn't addicted to the actual money. I was addicted to the high that it provided, yes. the highs and the lows that I would get from being in that, that environment. And so over the course of a year, I actually ended up gambling everything that I personally owned away. My bank accounts were, were empty now. I had, I had nothing. But even though my personal accounts were empty, the business bank accounts were still full. And so I was responsible for the finances of our business. And so I began to actually siphon money and take money little by little out of the accounts. And I was able to get away with it for a really long time. And I guess in that, in that moment, I thought to myself, well, geez, I'm the business owner. Isn't it my money anyways? Well, here's the thing. You can't take business money and use it for personal investments. That's actually called embezzlement. And so now here I am embezzling money from my own business, from my own business partner. And we had several employees who worked for us. We had about 15 to 18 people on any given payroll schedule. And, um, and my business partner came up to me one day and he said, uh, Nate, it's, it's payday. It's time to cut the checks for everybody. And I just came clean to him in that moment. And I just said, listen, if we write these checks, there's not going to be enough money to cover the accounts. And you could see the look on his face. He was confused. He was frustrated. He was upset. And then all of a sudden it started to catch up to him. He realized that the night before I had taken the payroll money and had gambled it all away. And so he gave me an ultimatum at this point. He said, you can either sign this whole entire business over to me and walk away from it free and clear, 
or I'm going to get lawyers involved and I'm going to press charges. So at, at 26 years old, I walked away from what was my life's work at that point. I signed it over and I left and a piece of, of my soul was in that place. Um, and when I didn't have the business anymore, even though my identity was wrapped up in it, Nate, you're a business owner. Um, when I didn't have that, I didn't know who I was. And so here I am moving back in with my parents and, and they had no idea what to do with me that they, they definitely didn't know the depths of where I was at, the things I was struggling with, what I was going through. And I could hardly hold down a job. I would get a job as a, a local server somewhere at a restaurant and I'd end up taking from the cash register because that's all I knew. And then I'd get caught for that and I'd get fired. And, and that process repeated itself three different times until finally the last time it happened, I'd just gotten fired. Uh, it was 3 a.m. I had taken a handful of pills. I was walking around my parents' apartment complex at 3 a.m. And I was looking for different vehicles that were unlocked to see if I could find anything that I could take, that I could sell, anything that I could get my hands on really to feed this addiction that I was going through. And uh, as I opened up the car door to a 1999 Buick Sabre, I lifted up the center console and inside I found the spare keys to the car because apparently that's where you keep the spare keys to a 99 But there I was in that moment and I thought to myself, well, I, I don't have a vehicle. My life is a mess. I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of it. Maybe this is a, a chance to run away from my problems. Maybe this is a chance to get away and start over somewhere. And I don't know if you've ever tried to run from your problems before, but what you'll often find is that your problems or your issues have a really great way of always catching up with you yes. because it's not often your surroundings. That's the problem. A lot of the times it's us. That's the problem. And so here I was though, broken, messy, didn't know who I was. And I packed up five garbage bags of clothes. I threw them in the back of this car that I had just stolen. And I headed for Houston, Texas of all places. It's across the country. I had a buddy who lived down there that always said, Nate, if, if you find a way to get down here, I'll help you start your life over. And uh, now let me pause you right there. All right, Houston, Texas. Yeah, you keep seeing me look, look down. I have, I have a notebook down here. I take notes on. That's great, man. <laughs> All right. All right. So let, let me stop you there because you said something very, very, very powerful in that, that last bit where you had you had more money than you ever had. You yeah. had a access to social circles. You had a nice car. You had a nice apartment with the yeah. high rise. And you said, I should be happy. Yeah. And so many people and a lot of people that watch this show, they're at that place. Because I tell people there's a difference between happy and fulfilled. Come on. Right? There's a big, big difference. And so because you were unfulfilled, that was where you turned to the high of gambling. That's right. You know? We, oh, we gotta, hold on. We got a comment here for you. Yeah. I hear the yo can be can be hard scrabble. Glad you made it out unscathed. Yeah, so the yo is what they call Youngstown. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I, it's, I it's a tough that. place. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know, but that but that's the thing. So so it's like yes, you turn to gambling. You had the addiction. You know, you wanted to run away, but because you were unfulfilled, and then that takes me back to what you said about your childhood which is why I asked this stuff, you know, because usually it all ties together. Yep. Some, somehow, you know, living in that home where, where you didn't have the best examples, you know, you forgave them. They did, they did the best they could yeah. with what they had. But seeing the other kids taking vacations and wearing the nice clothes and having things that you couldn't have, there you probably had a feeling of being unfulfilled. Just as a child, you don't really know what that means. But then you carry it forward. You have things now, but you're still unfulfilled. That's right. You know, so now we're, we're going to shift into how you found that fulfillment. But first, take me through the move to Houston. Yeah, so I, I wanted to, to start my life over, to head to Houston. Um, I didn't wake up that morning thinking that I'm going to steal a car today. I didn't. Yeah. That was not my agenda. But when you find yourself in the wrong place with the wrong headspace, you never know what is possible. And so I headed for Houston, Texas. I made it about halfway 
right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. I'd been up for three days at that point. I pulled into a gas station where I just wanted to get some sleep. I just wanted to get some rest before I finished the rest of the drive. And I pulled into a gas station. Uh, I closed my eyes and then I was woken up at 9 a.m. to three really loud bangs on the driver's side window. A stranger's hand was reaching into the car. It pulled me out, uh, put me on the ground in handcuffs, and then sat me in the back of a cop car. And in that moment, the weight of all of my decisions, they sat on my chest like a ton of bricks. And this voice kept repeating over and over in my head. It was the same thing that friends had told me, that my business partner had told me, um, that ex-girlfriends said to me. But the, the loudest voices are oftentimes the ones that are in our own head. And it kept saying, you'll never change. Yeah. This is who you are. This is your life now. And so they took me to Cheatham County Jail, where I spent six months of my life. It was a pod style facility. So um, I shared a pod with 16 other guys. So there was eight bunk beds. There was uh, three tables. There were two toilets, one TV, but there were no windows. And the only opportunity that we got to get out of our pod was once a month, they offered something called church service. Now, I was not interested in going to church, but I was interested in getting out of that pod. And so we walked down a long hallway, a cinder block hallway. Off the left-hand side, there was a, uh, a room that had 16 folding chairs set up. And uh, in walks this really, really, really old guy. And he's got this really, really old guitar. And as he starts to tune it up, he starts to say to us, fellas, the only difference between you and me is that I never got caught. And he starts to sing the song, Amazing Grace. And it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I looked around the room, man, and I saw 16 guys who had hurt people, who were criminals, who had made mistakes. Tears were streaming down their face. They were sobbing. They were weeping. They were, they were drunk white girl crying. Okay. They were over, <laughs> they were overwhelmed. And, uh, and here, here we are in, in that moment, man, I, it's, it's almost hard for me to explain because I wasn't worried about my past when I was going to get what, what I had done wrong. I wasn't worried about my future when I was going to get out of there, but I had just this overwhelming sense of peace that sat on me and that weight actually began to lift off of my chest. And I just thought to myself, man, if it is possible to change, I want to, because this is not the life that I want anymore. And so when I got out of jail, they gave me a, a felony theft over 1000 and two years of probation. And they allowed me to actually transfer that back to Ohio. And when I got to Ohio, man, I got really obsessed with how do I make some positive changes in my life? I, I got a hold of a John Maxwell book that said, if you want your life to change, you've got to be the one that changes first. Yes. And so I was messy. I was a very messy person. But I'm so thankful that there were people in my life who were willing to get messy with me and they walked me through some really hard stuff. Um, I had to face some of the things that I never wanted to face. You know, Tim Ferriss says everything that we want in life is on the other side of an uncomfortable conversation. Well, I had to have some uncomfortable conversations with other people, but also with myself and through all of this, my life now looks nothing like what it used to. So several years removed, I've created my own comeback. I just got married last year to the love of my life. Um, we bought our first investment property and we're actually looking to acquire a second one. Now I've sat on the board of a nonprofit for underprivileged youth. Um, I, I lead hundreds of volunteers at my local church. Um, and, and like I said, for the last 18 months, I've been working on this project to help other people create their own come back. And so I'm thankful for what I get to do now, but it's, it's very different than what it was. All right. So before we get into the book and all of that, one thing you said there that probably trumps everything else that you've said so far, saying I have an entire page full of notes is you had to face the things that you didn't want to Yes. say, and part of what I do I call it the storytelling coach, you know, because like I'm not a counselor or, 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 or anything like that. I've just studied human dynamics. I've studied the four major personality types and I, I've learned what drives each person. And so as I'm working with people, so like I said, I, I ask the questions to get the right answers out of them. And then there's always other stuff hanging in, hanging in the balance that they don't want to 
give out. Like, you know, you yep. said, you, you said everything's on the table with you. Not everyone else is like that. And so once I, the more stuff I pull out and the more stuff I pull out, we get to the heart of what's ailing them. And it's usually it's something big. You know, it, it could be, you know, a relative was molesting them or something mm. along those lines, like something that they don't want to face. Yep. And, and I help them. All right. So we're going to take that and we're going to face the reality of it. And we're going to well, I'm going to show you how to turn that into a motivational story. And people would be thinking, like, how can an uncle molesting someone be a motivational story? It's not it's not the act. That's the story. It's how you came back from it. That's right. Right. It's how it's how you pivoted from it. It's like that happened to you. Now what? The now what is the power in the story? So the fact that, you know, you you had a drug, a drug addiction, you spiraled out, out of control. You ran out of money for, from college. You moved back in with, with your parents. And then what? <laughs> right. So that's the power in your story is what we're about to get into, what you pivoted to. All right. So take us through the next steps. Yeah, so here I am now, obsessed with personal development. I've got I'm 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 trying to get uh, a mentor in several different areas of my life. So I, I want to become the best version of me, and I, I'm really just starting to figure this stuff out. And so the first job that I can get right out of jail is as a landscaper. And as a landscaper, man, you got nothing but time because so you I got headphones in my ears. I'm cutting grass. I'm using a weed whip. I'm laying mulch. I'm doing hard work every day, but I've got these headphones in my ears every single day. And what it started out was, it was just music, man, just music with not a good message, emotional music, overwhelming music. And, uh, and then finally, as I was laying in my bed one night, um, uh, it was right around the time when Conor McGregor was getting ready to fight Floyd Mayweather. So if you're okay. unfamiliar, this is a, a champion UFC fighters getting ready to fight arguably one of the best boxers of all time. And so here we go. They're going head to head in a boxing match and, and they're doing a highlight recap of both of their stories. And Conor McGregor's really into like, um, uh, like positive affirmations, seeing something, claiming it, creating the life that he's always wanted. And, and I subscribe to some of those ideas and some of them not so much, but, but I will tell you, it was very inspirational to me to watch somebody who had nothing in the beginning and create a brand new life. And so I got obsessed with this. How can I create the life that I've always wanted? And so I knew I had to become the best version of me emotionally and mentally. So I wanted to find a mentor in that area. I wanted to become the best version of me financially. So I wanted to be I wanted to figure a way to fix my finances that were a wreck. I knew that I wanted to become the best version of me spiritually because man, the insides, the, the connection that I had with God was so broken and so messed up. And I, I wanted to figure that out. And, and also physically, I was a, just a chubby kid, man. And I, I wanted to start to take control of my fitness and the things that I was putting inside of my body and understanding this is the only one that I've got. So I want to start to take care of it. And so through all of that, I've been able to get connected with different people who help me level up in other areas of my life. Yes, I, I love it. Getting a mentor is huge. When I first got started into fitness, because as I told you, I actually know, I, I don't think I told you, but the audience knows, I dropped out of college three three times, three times. And, and a lot of it was lack, lack of clarity. Uh, coincidentally, I, <laughs> I mainly dropped out because every major I picked went through psychology. And now everything I do has to deal with the human mindset and personality traits. So it's kind of funny how things go full circle, that is. <laughs> right? Go full circle like that. But the thing is, is like you said, how can I create? Yeah. See, too many times people do this. They're pointing the finger at everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like I can't be here because of this person. I can't be here because of that person. Yep. And like I said earlier, I always ask people when they come at me with excuse after excuse, what are you going to do? Like, I don't have time. What are you going to do? Now, will I have kids? What are you going to do? Like, if that's what your goal is, you have to figure out a way to get to your goal. No one's going to do it for you. You have to do it. I mean, that's I'm a right. single parent of five children. I figure it out. I still get on my hikes. I still run my gym. I still do my podcast. I'm guests on other people's podcasts. I'm guests, I'm guests on news news shows. You know, it's like I, I make time. Like if you want to do it, you'll figure out a way to do it. If you want right. to do it, you'll figure out a way to pay for it. If you need to learn it, you'll figure out a way to go learn it. But it's on you. So I'm yes. glad I'm glad you took that that ownership. So so when did you first get the idea of writing a book? 
Yeah. So they say a good book is the conversation that you have over and over and over again. And so when you start to do really well at anything, people will constantly come up to you and say, Nate, how did you do it? And so I've gotten to have this conversation where I connect with people. I share my story, but I also share the principles that I've used. So there's strategies, there's techniques. There's also principles by which I live my life. And so through all of that, I've combined it into a resource that I can literally hand to somebody and say, here, this is for you. You can go through it systematically through the book. At the end of each chapter, there is a comeback challenge that is meant to inspire you to take action on the things that you're learning because information, if information was what changed people, we would all be rich and we'd all be skinny, but it doesn't. <laughs> and so it's, it's the action that we need to take that's behind it that will actually, actually cause our life to look differently. And so um, it's a resource that I give away to people that I help, help them start from the bottom and create their own comeback story. Yeah, see, and speak, speaking of that with the gym, I've had I had six new people join my my facility in the last week. And I tell them, I said, so you did the first hardest part was to reach out. So yeah. it's like you're acknowledging that you need help and you need guidance. That's the first hardest part. Then you did the easiest part, which is paying for it. Yeah. Any, anybody can pay for anything. That's right. So I said, now that you're in, the hardest part is here. Come on. Because now, now you have to work. Yep. No, just by saying, oh, yeah, I go train with, with Rob down, down at Warwick. It, it's not that simple. You have to put in work. You have to want to show up. Like, I'm not that type, type of trainer. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll send you a text in the morning. No, this is on you. Come on. Right? This is on you. It's my job to give you the roadmap. You have to drive the car down the road. It's like, that's on you. So, yeah, have, so yeah, so holding into that level of accountability, because if I just hand them everything, then what happens if something happens to me? What happens if, mm. you know, if they have to move somewhere else? Then it's like, you know, you can't do it just because I'm telling you to do it. You have to do this because you have your eye on the prize and you want to get it done, right? You have to come in here. And then once you're in the building, I'll make sure you give every inch of energy that you have in your body. That I will do. And I will keep you motivated to keep doing that over and over and over. But showing up, it's on you to show up. Man, I got to come train with you sometime. You're getting me fired up right now. I'm ready to do body squats right here in my, right here in my studio. Yeah. So, you know, so, so like, that's my job. It's like, I don't, I don't try to motivate them through fear. It's like, don't do it because I said so. It's like, no, like you told me you want to lose three dress sizes. That effort's yeah. not, not going to do it. Right. Yeah. That effort's not going to do it. You can't just show up and think it's just going to melt off of you. It's like, I need your best. Come on. And, and so, all right. So let's get back to you. So. So how did you come up with the name? I mean, you kind of already said it, but yeah. I, I don't know if there, if there was anything deeper. Into yeah. It. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a lie that I had to overcome. And actually there's each chapter title is another lie that I've told myself throughout my entire life that I found a way to, to, to break through that and speak truth over myself. And so it, it I've had the same thought. You'll never change. And if that's the story that you tell yourself over and over again, and which, by the way, I love this show because I feel like our messaging lines up really well together. Yes. If that's the story that you tell yourself, you will live it out. Uh, I believe it's Socrates that says, whether I think that I can or whether I think that I can't, you're right. Yep. And so I just believe that if I want to have a better life, I've got to tell myself a better story. And it started with telling myself, no, you can change. You will change. You will be better. Things will not always look like this. And I know it's so hard when you're in your situation and you look at it and it feels frustrating, feels overwhelming. The people around you don't support you. You feel like everything you do is wrong. And it's hard to say things are going to be different. I get that. I understand. But when you begin to tell yourself a new story, all of a sudden your mind opens up to new opportunities, to new strategies, to new decisions, because it's the decisions that we make every single day that actually determine our destiny. So if you want a new life, start to make new decisions, but it starts with telling yourself a new story. Yes. And I'm glad you said that because people think that they need things. Like, well, I could do that if this happened. You know, I'll get ready when this is like, no, then start now. Like when yeah. my gym got shut down last year, I think it was just a couple of days went by when I started the podcast. I didn't really have a theme. I, I didn't really know what to do. I'm sitting there watching some of the bigger named ones trying to trying to get, you know, tips. It's like, what do I do? Do I do a solo? Do I bring guests on? Do I talk about news, politics? Like, what do I talk about? And then 
I just thought like I was overthinking it for a second. And then like, this is what I help people do now is it's right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. You know? So I just took what I was doing with fitness, everything that I was doing with my clients to help them lose weight and run faster 5k times and complete obstacle races. All of those principles, I just shifted it into everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so instead of just doing it solely about fitness, you know, I, I helped someone create a podcast and and I took her through the exact same steps to create the process as I take someone that says I want to lose 20 pounds. Yeah, it was the same process. And I was working with a young man who grew up with, without a father. He's a, mm. high, a high jumper. And I was working with, with, with him, took him through, the, you know, what, what was it like growing up without, without a father? What was the biggest thing that, that pained you? Yeah. you know, how, how do you want to fill that void? Because mm. like there's a void there. You have to fill it. You know, I just took him through that same exact process. And then, you know, he ended up having his own breakthrough. This woman has her podcast. It's up and running now. It's called Inside America's Minds. And and it said it's right on the tip of people's tongue. It's right there. And so, again, that's why I say the true power lies in your story. Because, like, once you actually start talking your own truth, you're going to find what your path should be if you're if you're in an unfulfilled state if you're you're fulfilled by all means keep doing what you're doing but if you're not though the answer is already in your life story yeah it's so good and and what i found is that it so the tony robbins says that success without fulfillment actually equals failure. And so I don't want to just achieve success. And and I hope that everybody out there, if you're listening and you have dreams and goals and things that you want to accomplish, that's great. I love that. I want you to experience a level of success that you've never experienced before. But I also want you to understand that if you don't find a way to have fulfillment, and when we say fulfillment, you have to understand it's not about how much can I get, but it's how much can I give? Who can I help? Well, how can I help other people achieve their dreams, their goals? That's why I do what I do because there's a, something inside of me that that feels joy, that feels uh, this overwhelming sense of I'm doing the right thing when I watch other people have the light bulbs click on in their life. I say that all the time, but go ahead. And, and fulfill, <laughs> fulfillment for everybody is it's an art, man. It's an art form that might look different for you than it was for me, but it's so worth exploring because when you get to the mountaintop and you realize, man, this is not what I wanted. You're going to fall into a deep, deep depression. And so we want to avoid that. We want to avoid achieving success and not loving who you are, not loving where you're at. We want you to achieve success and say, I'm so alive. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. This is amazing. And I can't wait to climb the next one. See, and you have to define what success means to you. Because like for me, I'm a very simple person. Like I don't need a fancy car. I don't need a fit, fancy house. I like the vacation. That I will say. I have a timeshare. When I vacation, I, I stay in style. But that's like probably the only thing I splurge on. I'm a very, very simple man. Like I don't wear jewelry. Like I just don't need any of that stuff. Yeah. And so for me, it's the fact that I don't miss a thing with, with my children. Not a thing. I'm at all, all the choruses, all the bands, all the track meets, all the basketball games, all the softball games, the long softball tournament weekends yeah. where you're out there eight hours a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, but, but being there for all of those things when they're sick, sick in school, being able to drop everything and go, go get them. You know, yeah. if I want to take time out. I adjust my schedule and I take time out. It's like, for me, that's what does it. You know, it's like, I don't, I like, I don't want, a team of a hundred people and doing, you know, millions of dollars in, in sales. Like, and for the people that want that, that's, that's great. But yes. I, don't, I don't want all that. I just want, want to be comfortable and I want to pour into the people through shows like, like this, through my coaching programs, through my fitness program. That's where the fulfillment comes into play. Just like, like you said, I say it all the time. I just say, I like watching the light switch flip. You know, yeah. so along the same lines, but that's what gives me the joy. And that's what makes me light up because when people come to you, they're in some type of a broken state, yeah. whether they're physically broken, whether they're mentally broken, whether they're emotionally broken. And when you can help piece them back to where they need to be, there's no amount of money. There's no car. There's no nothing that can replace that feeling. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's so good. Um, and, and yes, yeah, so the big question that I get asked all of the time is, is Nate, how do I create my own comeback? How, how do I do it for me? 
and I've watched what you do and it looks great and it looks amazing, but how do I apply it for my life? And I've really come up with this comeback formula that anybody can start to apply to their life right away and start to really start to see significant changes. And so the first part of that is you actually have to have a clear vision for your life. And I loved your intro because it's right. uh, We're going to balance, balance back and forth really well right now. You have to have a clear vision for your life. You have to know exactly what you want because if you don't, there will always be somebody in your life to come along and tell you how your life should look. If you want to fly on an airplane right now, you want to go to the airport and say, sell me a ticket. They will give you a ticket, but is it anywhere that you want to go? So until we begin to take control and have very clear direction on our life, and when you ask people this question, oftentimes they'll give you very generic answers. It's because they've never really thought about it. And they just say, I want to be happy. I just want to be content. I want to be okay. And that's fine. But until you specifically define that, until you get crystal clear on what you want, you will just be floating out there going, man, I'm not actually achieving. I'm not actually doing, but I hope that I get happy one day. And so once you have a clear vision of how much money you want to make, what kind of impact you want to have, what do you want people to say about you when you leave a room? How do you want your kids to think about you? What legacy do you want to leave? Uh, Like, like all of these things are questions that you have the options to answering. You can answer these questions and create your life. So once you have that vision, a very clear vision, it's written down, you've made it plain. You look at it every day, a very clear vision. The second part is, is now you have to add in your decisions. So contrary to popular belief, what we do every single day, it matters. Either it is drawing us towards our vision or it's drawing us away from our vision. And so once you start making the right decisions consistently over time, small decisions, little by little over time can create a massive impact, massive change in your life. And so now here's the hardest part. You've got a vision. You're starting to make the right decisions. You have some momentum, but your life still isn't changing. Well, that's because you need to multiply it by time. The hardest four-letter word any of us are ever going to hear is wait. Just wait. Some of you need to eat the harvest that you've been planting from the last season of your life. So it's going to look difficult at times. You've made a decision. I'm going to change. I've got this vision for my life. I'm doing the right things. But man, my life is still uncomfortable. It doesn't, it's not changing. It hurts. It's painful. People are still saying stuff. That's because the fruit from the last season of your life is still there. You need to eat that and you need to begin to plant new seeds, a new harvest for the next season. So you will be able to reap that harvest in the future. And so you need to let some time sit in. And some of you, it's going to be a significant amount of time and it's going to be so worth it. So once you have all of that vision plus decisions times time, that my friends is what equals your specific comeback. I agree 100% with everything that you said, but I want to add one layer. Give it to me. Give it to me. Because there's one thing that's missing, and it's actually the first step in my program. It's called the pain assessment. Yeah. Right? Too many times, people don't take a good, hard look at their current situation. And so once you, just like I tell people in the gym, the people that have the best transformations are the ones who are fed up with where they are. That's right. So if you get, cause you, you said the word earlier, people want to be content, mm. you know? And so people who are content, they are the worst coaching clients be, because they're, they're okay. They're okay being <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. You for know? Sure. It's like, I'm not saying that to be funny. <laughs> this is just a fact, right? That yeah. they are the worst people to work with because like, eh, you know, I can take it. I can leave it. No, you want that person that's fed up. Yeah. So, so I go to people, all right, so are you happy with how much mo- money you make? And then I go 10 layers deeper to figure out why. Are you happy with where you live? Are you happy with the schools that your kids are in? And I, I get down like deep, deep, deep. And then once you get there, some, sometimes they're in tears. And it's like, it's like good. It's like I'm not trying to make you cry, but you need to feel the yes. reality of where you are. Now we can get to the second part. What do you want? Why do you want it? How bad do you want it? What are you willing to go through to get it? And do you have the backbone to see it through to the end? Come on. You know, that's that's the process. And it doesn't matter what it is. If you want to get into the Olympics, if, you, if you're a teenager, you have Olympic dreams, that's the formula. You know, if you want to start your own business, that's the formula. You know, no matter what it is, you got to take a hard look. Where am I? Where do I want to go? Well, actually, where am I? And am I done with this? 
Yes. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, am I done with it? Because if you are not done with that person, you're not gonna you're not gonna change. Yeah. Everything else that, that we outline for them, they're not gonna do it because they're okay where they are. That's right. And and so in order to do all of this, if you're sitting and you're listening right now and you're absorbing this and you're like, man, I Jesus, okay, I'm ready to do this. You have to understand that in order to do this, you have to have a really great relationship with yourself right now. And so if you have a broken relationship with you, it's going to be really hard to make some of these significant changes in your life. And so um, uh, I don't know if you've ever had like a a friend who who talks behind your back and is more like a frenemy than they are your friend. And uh, you don't actually want to be around them, but for some reason you always find yourself with them. When you don't like you, it's like spending all day with a frenemy. And so we want to begin to start to work on this personal relationship that you have. And a lot of it starts with forgiving yourself from past mistakes that you've made, letting go of the hurt because unforgiveness is a prison that we will keep ourselves locked in. And you will find that when you let go of that, when you begin to actually forgive yourself, you can experience a brand new life with you. And so I had to actually sit down with three different versions of myself. Uh, I had to have uncomfortable conversations with me. And I I looked at past Nate, I looked at present Nate, and then I looked at future Nate. And I I looked at past Nate and I said, dude, you missed the mark. You've really done some things to ruin our life. I actually unloaded a little bit. Have you ever gotten like really mad and you just unload? But then on the other side of it, I said, even in your mess, I want you to know I still love you. And I still forgive you and it's okay. And I'm, le- I'm choosing to let go of this. I'm not forgetting, but I am, I am forgiving. And I'm just saying who you were is not who you are now. And, and I know that and I believe that. And so I actually, I c- repeated this process over and over again where I, I just chose to forgive myself. Sometimes forgiveness is a decision we have to make. It's not going to come easy or natural, but I had to choose to let that stuff go. And then I looked at present Nate. And he, you'd made some changes on the inside that nobody had yet seen on the outside. And I became my own coach. I became my own encouragement, my own support system. I looked at myself. I said, you can do this. Nobody believes in you right now, but man, I believe in you. And I really started to build myself up and I was my own personal coach and I loved it. And then I looked at future Nate and I began to make promises to him. I know I had never kept promises in the past, but that was behind me. And now I was making new promises and saying, I was willing to do the work. I'm willing to start over, man. That's so hard to say. I have to start over. I have to start from the bottom. Yes. I'm willing to start over and build my life back brick by brick. I'm willing to create the life that I've always wanted and whatever I have to do future Nate, whatever I have to do to give you the life that you deserve man, I'm willing to do it right now. I'm willing to go through the pain. I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to sacrifice now so that I can have a life for you that you need in the future. And that, my friends, is how I began to create and develop this personal trust, this self-confidence that I have now. Have you ever had somebody that comes up to you and and they like they they give you their dreams. They just unload on you, and they they yes. tell you everything that they're going to accomplish and do. In the back, of your, in your, you're you're shaking your head yes, but in the back of your head, you're thinking there ain't no way any of this is ever going to happen. <laughs> it's because that person has doesn't have any credibility built up. They don't have any consistency built up. You don't. They don't have any trust with you yet. And so until we start to build trust with ourselves, we're going to think of ourselves as that same person of yeah 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 sure we'll see what happens, Nate. And so you want to start to do the little stuff. You want to start to take the little actions. When I tell myself I'm going to wake up 10 minutes early, I actually do it. That stuff matters more than you know. When you don't keep the promises to yourself, when you break them, your brain goes, oh, I knew you're just a mess up. I knew you were a mistake. I knew you were never going to do any of this stuff. You're so full of it. You don't, you're not, you're not who you say you are, but when you keep your promises, when you, you become in alignment with who you are on the inside and your brain and your mind and your soul, they become one, they line up and every decision that you make out of that you do because you don't want to break that trust. And now I show up for myself every single day. I pride myself on being somebody who does hard things. And I show up for me. I don't want to take cold showers in the morning. I don't want to wake up and hit the gym. I don't, I don't want to do any of this stuff, but I know that Nate needs me to do it. I need me to do this stuff. So I'm willing to do it so that I can have a better life in the future. Love it. Love everything about that. I want to just double down on what you said about forgiveness, because so many times 
people are seeking external for forgiveness. Yeah, man. Right? External for forgiveness. And I'm pretty positive with most everything that I say. The one times where I might get a little skeptical is like when people apologize or when people offer forgiveness. Because like you don't really know if it's coming from a pure heart. Sure. But when you forgive yourself, you know it's coming from your pure it's, heart. It's genuine. Right? It's you, so real. Yes. So like I've always said, never ever look externally for your internal joy. Come on. Right? You 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 can't you can't do that. And it's something like my my two old, oldest kids, I had full custody of them. I say had cuz they're both adults now. I mean like they're still here, but they're both adults yeah. now. But you know, their mom wasn't in their life and in the beginning, I, like I was so mad. Like I was mad. It's like like you can't just pick up the phone and call and talk to them like you know, you don't send anything up for Christmas and and yeah. I would just be so so mad and I'd be screaming at her on the phone and you know this was 20 some odd years ago. I was y- younger and feistier then. And so, and so I can't imagine you being any more feisty than what you are now. <laughs> okay. Let's just say I was more rude then, <laughs> but it just got to the point where I was like, I'm giving her control over my emotions. Yes. You know, right. It's like every time she does that and I react, like she's probably sitting back laughing Well, I'm over here, blood boiling. And yep. that was when I started learning about emotional mastery. Come on. I was like, so by me doing that, she's 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 got the upper hand here you know so once i started saying you know what she left them i'm here with them i'm gonna be the best dad i can be and i'm I'm not one of those guys say oh i play both both roles no i don't know how to be a mom like i know how to be a dad so i just have to amplify my dad skills and give them everything that i can possibly give them but it came from me just forgiving the fact that she left them yeah them two, on the other hand, that's another issue. Like they're they got their own issues with that situation. But for sure. me, I had to come to grips with what happened, and then I was able to move on from it. So for the people listening, if you're stuck in any type of a rut, or if someone's hurt you or wronged you, you're gonna be able to move on faster just by forgiving that person. And as Nate said a second ago, that doesn't mean you forget. Mm. It's like you'll like you'll never forget, but forgiveness is about you. Yes. It's about you saying, you know what, that hurt, but I'm not gonna let it hurt me anymore. Come on. That's so good. That's so good. And yeah, and so we actually have the ability then too, once we understand that, man, there's certain people in our lives that that hurt me, that pull me away from the direction in my life that I want to go. I can actually start to take control of the people that I surround myself with. Yes. You know, no, sci- psychology will tell you that you're the, the average of the five people yep. that you do life with. Um, so sci- science will tell you, you'll make the average amount of money of the five people that you do life with. And so if we understand this principle to be true, then we have to take some personal response. We have to do an inventory of the last five text messages that we sent. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? And you know the group of people that you get around and you become a different person. You say things, you hear things, you do things that you don't actually want to do, become, hear, or be involved with. And so it is okay to actually begin to take yourself away from those situations. And if your hands are full, it is hard to carry new things, right? So we want to begin to just limit our time with some of these people. And when I when I talk to some people, they say, Nate, are you telling me I have to I have to walk away? I have to walk out? I have to give up on people? Well, depending on how toxic that friendship or relationship is, yes, absolutely, 100%. This may be the permission that you need to actually walk away from something that is life draining instead of life giving. If it is pulling you away from that vision you've created, it is okay to say my time is worth more. I am worth more than this toxic environment. When a flower isn't growing, we don't look at that flower and say, there's something wrong with you. You're dirty. You're bad. You're messed up. You're never going to change. We don't look at it. We pull it out of that environment. We put it somewhere new that it can grow deep roots and begin 
to grow. And for some of you, you feel like you're a plant growing through concrete. Well, let's get you in a new situation, in a new environment, a new group of people that will actually allow you to level up your life, to let go of some of these things that have been holding you back, to create a beautiful future where you're fulfilled, where you can achieve, where you can experience and people celebrate you. Listen, if the people in your life don't celebrate your wins, get new friends. Yes. Because it is so easy for us when we see other people to succeed instead of celebrating them to say, well, what's wrong with me? And it never comes out like that. It never comes out what's wrong with me. It always comes out as hate. It always comes out as that, that, that somebody handed it to them or they're so lucky or they don't deserve yeah. it. Or, or I choose to celebrate my friends because it is so much better than being this miserable person who hates everybody. There's two ways to get the biggest building in town. You can either build yours up the tallest or you can tear everybody else's down around you. I choose to not just build my building up tall, but I want to see everybody else's building yes. rise around me. Love it. Love it, man. All right. So where can people get, get your book? I think I have the answer already on the screen. Yeah. You'll never change.com. You can also find it on Amazon. It went to number one in several categories on there. Um, it's nice. been doing really well. I'm super thankful and blessed and humbled by this entire experience. Awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely got to have have you on again. I just glanced at the clock. It's like, holy crap, we're five minutes over. <laughs> I flew by. But, yeah, it was, but it was great. I mean, our messages are de- definitely in line. And, and I love it because, you know, the backgrounds of people doesn't matter. It's like what they're doing now matters. Like Amen. I said, I dropped out of college. I know growing up, I was told if you don't go to college, you're going to be pump, pumping gas at a gas station. And a majority of the people that work with me have master's degrees and PhDs. Yes. You know, I, I mean, like, like my coaching clients. Yeah. You know, so there are people that I helped someone with a master's in marketing. Come on. To do her marketing and branding for, for her business with a marketing degree. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, people have to stop thinking that everything is in this one box. You, you can yeah. get educated. You can turn your life around. You hit rock bottom. Yep. Rock bottom. And you fought your way out of it. And now you're inspiring people all over the globe, you know, and it's about stepping into your greatness. Like everybody yeah. has skeletons. Everybody struggles at some point, but you can get through it. The question is, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and then as Nate says, how can I create? You know, how can I create that thing that I want? And I say, what are you going to do? It's the exact same message, just two different sentences. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. Know? No, that's awesome. All right. Give us a final word. Then we got to break it down. Yeah. So if you're sitting here listening, you're like, man, I want to make some changes. Know this. Who you were is not who you are now. The beautiful thing is that you can just decide today to make new decisions, be a new person, and literally create your life from the bottom, brick by brick. Yes. Love it. Nate, thank you very much. For taking yeah. Thanks, time, man. Time this is incredible. Out. Yeah. Really? What? Don't, don't sign up. I want to talk to you off camera real quick. Yeah. All right, man. Have a good day. All right. That was awesome. That was an awesome, awesome conversation. So if you tuned in late and you didn't catch it right from the beginning, I I encourage you go back, catch it from the beginning, help us grow, like, like the video, share the video, you know, show your support any way you like. And this is what we do Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It's all about you. It's about personal development. My show on Mondays, it's all about tackling controversial topics. So I, Sorry, I didn't look ahead to see what it is. Next week on Monday, we're talking about should assault weapons be banned? So it'll be myself and a panel of other people on discussing that topic. And then tomorrow, Glory Ali joins the show. And we're going to go through her backstory of how she got to what to where she, to English, <laughs> to what she is doing now and her journey to inspiring the masses. So thank you guys very much for tuning in and have a great day. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at robert underscore b underscore foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.